Ladies and gentlemen, a very warm welcome to the Strength and Skills podcast. Here's your host, Nick, and with me is your host, Dennis. Hello, everyone. This is a question and answer episode as we asked you on Instagram for some questions and uh, we're going to reply to most of them, but not all of them as uh, some of them are very much um, into programming and periodization and we thought you guys have so many questions about that that we're probably going to make a complete episode just about this topic. We already had a German episode about it and it went really well. It just it just takes a whole episode to talk about uh, talk about that. All right, let's um, get started. Let's get it started. We just have the first question. I think this one belongs to you, Dennis. Uh, yeah. The question is: How long do you have to hold a planche progression to start push-ups? So I see planche push-ups and holding a planche actually as two different exercises. Uh, so I usually like, you need to have a solid hold in, uh, in your planche, meaning five, somewhere from five to 10 seconds, you should be able to hold your progression. Um, with some progression like straddle, even three to five seconds are enough um, where I wouldn't put like the main work on um, on like like push-up work, not on the straddle, but more on the advanced or using loop bands, for example, to help yourself. But I think if you want a rule of thumb between five and 10 seconds would be good uh, because otherwise if it's shorter, you will lose the planche after pushing, meaning you won't be able to hold it right after, um, which doesn't look like too great. But if you start like with uh, planche leans, you can already start uh, doing some planche push-up there. And if you progress them step-by-step step, at the same time, you can keep the push-ups one progression lower um, and do more volume on them or use loop bands to help yourself um, for like uh, when for the phase where you switch to the next progression in the hold. So usually I would use another progression until a certain point if you're stuck like and working a lot on the straddle planche and you have your 10 seconds, it's no problem to work on uh, push-ups. But it's a different kind of strength. And if you always only did planche holds and not planche push-ups, you will have to train them specifically. Yeah. With 90-degree push-ups and so, they are great exercises with great um, transfer. So if you always have done your uh, vertical pushing, it shouldn't be too hard to start doing them, but you need to work specifically on them. So yeah. I think that answers the question. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's yeah. uh, that's the story of it. I like that. All right. Um, there's the next question. I think that's that's one for both of us. Mm -hmm. um, there's a MRV, MAV in strength training. I think we should first uh, explain what is meant by that. Mm -hmm. um, called the maximum recovery volume and the maximum adaptive volume. Uh, that's something that was brought up by Mike Isretel in, especially in hypertrophy. Um, that's a um, bodybuilding coach and researcher, I would say. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the biggest um, on the market. So if you don't don't know Mike Isretel, go go listen to some podcasts because pretty, it's pretty cool, good. Dude. Um, in strength training, I think that's pretty difficult to to handle for 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 my opinion, as um this is something and that's something Mike Risto tells tells us the same thing. Um, it's very very individual. So there are people who can uh, handle loads of volume while still having um, a big intensity because mm-hmm. in strength you usually have more intensity. Um, so as an example, from what I see, there are some people, especially when they are very, very light, they mostly they can handle more intensiveness more more intensity stuff like um doing more singles like up to 10 sets of a single um with a heavy weight for them then the really heavy guys Mm -hmm. when they have to uh do singles what the reason for that is if you have people who are pretty heavy most of them handle very big weights in general. Yeah, exactly. They they have big loads and they have their own weight which they have to move like yeah. for every movement in calisthenics actually. So so for them it's mostly harder to uh have a big volume on that uh, as an as an e- example for for myself, yeah, I do weigh around about 100 kg. Um if I have to do uh dips on uh, maybe an RPE nine, um, I would have to maybe yeah handle like like two hundred kg in total. Um, I'm not the best dipper in the world, but I think that's something you understand. Um, I would have to handle like like uh, two hundred kg in total, yeah. the added weight plus my own body weight. Um, and if I dip one hundred kg. It's like 170 or 168, yeah. something like that. Well, the weight in total is not that much. And I would have to recover hard from that. And I think for you, Dennis, yeah. it might be a little bit easier to recover that. Yeah. But like with everything, I think it's super individual. So I would use the MAV, MRV concept more like really if we were talking hypertrophy, hypertrophy and volume. Uh, let's say in a peaking phase or an intensity phase, you don't give a shit about volume. Like you're about performance and moving big weights, doing singles, and then easy back offsets. You're not about getting as much volume in as possible. So talking about MAV and MRV, if you meant that like in strength training or if you meant in general, like I would use the general guidelines at least 10 set per muscle group group per week which is like the standard and then you have to see like everyone's different for somebody even 10 could be a lot if you're a beginner um if you're advanced it could be nothing and you need 20 to 30 sets for certain movements and you can recover from that and it's not something you can like it's not written on stone i think many people like they're new to everything. They start reading research and they think, oh, it's so cool. There are numbers there. 
but numbers make sense until a certain point. Um, you can't create like rules for everyone that apply to everyone. It's just very different from person to person. And you have to try it out uh, with every person and see how they react before you can decide what is the right thing to do for them. And it's something that's very hard if you do it on yourself. That's it's a great idea to have a coach who, who knows its stuff, let's say. Yeah. What, I, what I like, um, that's kind of a rule of thumb for me, is making sure, um, also in a peaking, um, having a person making roundabout 15 reps of a certain movement um, in on a on a specific day so mm -hmm. it can mean you have like um like the dip you have uh the, maybe two or three singles yeah that that's three reps and then you have like uh 12 reps in you, you still have to use and that's something you can maybe use for some more dips like maybe three sets of triples and then maybe uh we have left like like four reps now yeah maybe four sets of triples um afterwards and uh you can also handle that in a different way to say okay we have two sets of triples and then using uh, uh like an another exercise that's very close to that exercise like mm -hmm. ring or something mm -hmm. um to get that in. So yeah. that rule of thumb, round about that, I handle the um, the reps for that. <sighs> That's mostly what I would recommend for that. But that's just uh, something I know from my experience. Mm -hmm. um, and it is still always individual. Do you have yeah. people who can handle just 10 in a peaking phase, and then you have other people who can uh, handle like 20, and it depends always on the individual person. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think you have an answer. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Uh, it's a very interesting topic, like generally, yes, because definitely. there's always something new to learn about it. Definitely. Um, the next question. Um, I think that was... Uh, The question was how to prep for a competition. Um, and again, for, my, for me, from what I see in uh, street lifting and weighted calisthenics, that's also a very individual thing, um, how you handle all the volume and uh, intensity. But how to prep for a competition begins always, and I have to say that, in the off-season. So uh, take your time at least half a year. Yeah, um, Having like... Uh, a part of more of volume and working on your weaknesses and then you go into it and uh, make sure that uh, you have at least like 12 weeks for peaking and during the peaking you just lower the volume and higher up the intensity um, start at least eight weeks out with singles Uh, the less experienced you are with singles, the earlier I would start with that. But make sure to not burn yourself out with the singles. So keep them at like roundabout an RPE 7 and just bring to the end 
the higher RPEs, the closer you come to the competition. But always make sure to not burn yourself out. Um, it's okay to have a RPE 9 in about two weeks out for a competition, but probably an RPE 9 in the week before the competition is going to kill your performance. Yeah. Um, the, the week before the competition, you, you taper. You're a good yeah. boy. And one big thing, um, it takes longer for your central nervous system to uh, uh, recover from lifts where the spine is loaded. So in the lifting competitions and weighted calisthenics competitions where you have to do back squats, what's a real competition, all the others are shit. No, I'm just joking. Um, you, you have to take care of that. So uh, it makes sense to uh, give yourself some more time to recover from the back squats. Um, Pull-ups and muscle-ups are not so much into this. Um, dips are, again, a little bit more into this. So you have to check out for that, um, that you can recover that and you taper mm -hmm. early enough the uh, individual lift. Yeah. I feel for me, for example, when it's about dip or pull up, I think when it's more intense, um, I need a longer time to recover from pull ups for some reason. Just okay. if I if I lift super, super heavy, um, the next session, I can probably dip very heavy again, while pull up is more, pull up is not as, as stable, let's say. I think, okay. but it depends on changing body weight for the most part, I think. So, especially yeah. in phases like this. That's pretty interesting as mm -hmm. a point I, I experienced with um, mm -hmm. athletes. Mostly it's harder for them to recover the dips, mm -hmm. uh, but that also depends as uh, for pull-ups, it's a little bit about how often you really go very heavy with them. Mm, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was I was talking about going super heavy. Like if you go super heavy, I feel like that let's say the, the pull-up could take out more like more out of you than the dip. But generally I have to say that it's more an experience I did on one arm pull-ups uh, than uh, than on pull-ups with weights because I haven't experienced and I don't have that much experience on super, super heavy pull-ups. Yeah. But what I would like to hear about is, um, as you also prepared uh, freestyle athletes for competitions, yeah. how would you handle that preparation? So just generally freestyle preparation? Yes. Okay. Freestyle competition. So preparing for a freestyle competition um, is very difficult. From the sense, like it depends a lot on the competition. Let's say we, if we have the Italian method, which um, where every exercise has a certain amount of points, and it's mostly about static exercises, it's very easy. You take a sheet of paper, you look at the strengths of your athletes, and very similar to weighted preps, you do um, you have phases where you work with a higher volume. Um, to get like good stable, uh, good stable, uh, a good and stable form, let's say, where you yeah. mostly work on getting a very, very good form. With time, you put the intensity up, so you have longer holds on the exercises which you already have 
let's say you don't start learning something new two weeks out or even two months out like it doesn't make any sense if you prepare for like if you really want to prepare for it if you look at gymnastics for example and uh, usually i have a three-month cycle where i work in imams for one month where you have the exercises that will come um in one set later on as single exercises with really short rest times in between so mm-hmm. that's one of the few occasions where I really use rest times to um, to manipulate intensity uh, because, like, I don't change up the exercises much. The exercises kind of stay the same, uh, but they have to do it for more time. They have this kind of immune volume phase. It goes over to um, a superset phase where you start putting two or three exercises together, and then you have the peaking, let's say, almost, where you try combos. Um, But if you have a competition with freestyle in it, honestly, I have to say it's almost impossible to prep for something like that in a scientific manner, since um, in freestyle, too much trying comes into place. Because if you have very long sets with like stuff in them, um, all that grabbing and swinging and grabbing and swinging and falling into your joints, uh, it's extremely straining and you risk to completely kill your uh, athlete super quickly without him noticing because like you have your, your plan for your skills and everything works out and everything is planned out very well, but he tries one exercise. 10 times over because it didn't work the first time, he's completely fucked. And then he tries to do your plan, he's gonna get injured. And that's why, honestly, prepping for freestyle competition where there's freestyle elements in them, um, there's two possibilities. The, the, the person is very good in freestyle and really knows how to catch his, uh, his exercises really knows how much is too much and for himself and knows himself very, very well. Um, And there you can work with him because you can tell him, okay, at the end of X or Epsilon workout, you do 10 minutes of that. And when you have the combos, you try the combos and you know, he won't like try over and over and over again until it works because it works. Um, Otherwise it's honestly impossible. Because, like, you can't, like, there's volumes that come together which you don't even think about. And when you're 16 to 20 years old, you won't feel them and it's going to be all right and you will recover pretty quickly and it's somehow going to work. And especially if you're genetically gifted or guys you see at competitions, if you're not and you follow a plan at the same time um, and you follow it rigidly, because it's written there instead of thinking a bit, okay, I did a bit more of the dynamic stuff. Maybe I should do a bit less static stuff. You're going to get yourself hurt. So in, in statics competitions, it's easy to prepare some, somebody. Like you count the points together, you prepare them, and you know that on that day they will perform. They will hold their holds how they need to. With dynamics, like even at a competition, you, you don't catch one lippity shippity something 
and you're on the floor and the whole preparation is just for nothing so it's hard okay yeah so competition wise preparing for a weighted competition way more science goes into it let's say like yeah. way more planning and science can go into it there's less variables there's less exercises and you can work with percentages can work yeah Yeah, that's but that's what I. Yeah. I never, never, uh, <laughs> never heard about somebody prepping somebody for. Like, <laughs> yeah. Now we we prepped people. Uh, Leo prepped Conti for for the Italian Championships uh, a few years back. He got second place on uh, on the Burning Gate Cup or Rimini Wellness, one of the two, uh, and he planned out his sets. He did exactly uh, what I just uh, told you. And if you don't have dynamics in it, it, it works very, very well because like it's statics holds and you can measure them. While dynamics, it's hard to measure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that sounds pretty well. Uh, the next question comes up. Um, the question is about the important role of the diet before competition and uh from what i see it's definitely important um i think the question will be how important is the uh role of a diet before competition um and from from my experience it is pretty important um as you have to um you have to handle the the diet of the athlete um, in that way that he doesn't get too heavy, especially in uh, weighted calisthenics and street lifting. I think that's mm -hmm. the same for um, freestyle. Uh, I think uh, we got a second question uh, about like optimal HP range, and like it goes hand in hand with this answer. So. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and the HP range with weight ratio to strength, and also the macro and on and off season. Someone asked for so. Um, I think that's one big topic we can handle right here in one thing. So in the off-season, it makes sense to, to drop uh, protein a little bit mm -hmm. uh, and increase the carbs. So usually from the scientific point, um, when you're in the off-season, it, it's a little bit difficult. So uh, from, from the bodybuilding point of view, it makes sense to have your protein in between a range of two grams up to three grams so. per uh, kg of your body weight. Um, in the off season, I would drop that down to round about two k uh, grams per kg of your body weight. Mm -hmm. uh, having still your fats round about 1.7 to one gram from fats. Mm -hmm. It depends a little bit on... 0 0.7 to 1. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Fuck, what did I say? <laughs> 1.7. It was like, well, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, Living life. Depends a little bit on how much calories you need. As yeah. uh, It's a pretty good way to have athletes who um, like to... Um, you have to eat a lot of calories a day. So if you, yeah. if you give them a little bit more fats, more than one gram per uh, kg of body weight, um, that makes Easier. absolutely 
sense for them because it makes that easier. So uh, it's not all about the science things. So it's also a little bit about how you, you, how the athlete can handle it during the day. Um, and giving them a little bit more fats for that makes yeah, it sustainability good. is the number one rule. So it don't is, forget it that. Is. And the rest with the calories, you just fill it up with carbs. And that's something uh, very underestimated. In the off-season, you just fill yourself up with carbs. <laughs> and there's no number I can give you for that because that's uh, resulting um, out of uh, um, calories you need. I would always stay in a surplus roundabout 200 to 300 um, calories um, from from your baseline. Baseline, yeah. A little higher than that. Um, and from there, just adapt how uh, the macros work for you the best. Um, I think, more, in, I think yeah. in calisthenics, one thing to look at is uh, your rate of gain shouldn't be too high. Uh, generally, because your exercises, like you need to have the time to adapt your body to adapt your higher body weight. So if you like have super high rate of gain and your pull-ups start sucking ass and you think like you're doing something wrong the thing you're doing wrong is like you're getting heavier you have to put more weight and it takes time to adapt if you do it slowly you will adapt and get stronger if it gets way too hard at a certain point and you can't close your sets um look at like i weigh myself before the session so I have, yeah. So so I have an an idea, um, like so I have an excuse for myself if it doesn't work out. But. <laughs> no, it absolutely makes sense because yeah. um, especially on the pull ups, you have to pull the whole weight, not just the weight you have on the belt, and. Yeah. It, difference um in pulling exercises as most of the people are uh, not pulling 130 kg um they are mostly pulling roundabout in between maybe 50 to 80 and the percentages here are um a lot different because um having five percent in here is in the total weight you're using a completely different thing up um in in comparison to uh when you can pull 130 or something yeah uh, that, yeah that that's completely different thing one, so, one kg of body weight doesn't make a difference if you pull 130 kilograms like yeah. not as much as if when your max is 20 kilograms you will feel that kilogram more a yeah. lot like from percentage wise it's just higher yeah. So for, for you, weigh yourself before you start pulling and also with your clothes, it makes sense, with mm -hmm. your clothes you're wearing and training. And um, uh, from there, you go with a percentage. That's that's the thing. But to come back from uh, to, to the nutrition part, um, it makes sense in the off-season to hire up the carbs. And um, the difference is from off season to to the on season in the on season it makes sense to get a little bit more lean so by the end of the off season you can usually start maybe something like a body recomposition or maybe a mini cut um, mm. to uh, down to a body percentage where where you, a body fat percentage where you can perform pretty well but yeah. the, the the thing here is don't go too low because then you will uh, 
definitely lose a little bit of performance yeah. and uh, it's pretty important to uh, be in between the things and most athletes usually have their best peak performance in between 12 and 15 percent yeah. of body um, some some people less some people more but i think in in calisthenics usually it's around the low like 12 to 15 i think hits it very very well i think in powerlifting you see way more way higher fat percentages but for the muscle up that just sucks yeah. and for the pull up especially for the muscle up though yeah of course when you're heavier the dips and the back squats will be a yeah. little bit easier but um to have all of it in one thing you definitely profit from uh being lean but not yeah. too lean yeah. all right um i think that's that's pretty important to say i think we also have now the thing with the biking and calisthenics in here um mm -hmm. so in the end to sum it up it's very individual how you handle the um nutrition for individual persons so uh what you have to take care of uh, is in the end making sure that you uh know how your body handles which macros are for you so uh are you are you performing better with a lot of protein because i i do have some athletes who perform just better with more protein they just recover better and sleep better and all that stuff um and then there are people who uh love to have more fats and perform better with that and then there are people who uh really boost their performance by uh, carbs <laughs> yeah that's, that's the end it's very individual yeah. um we have some rules of thumb and we already mentioned them um yeah. I th that's the thing um, um what i have to say in in case of a competition it makes definitely sense to eat loads of carbs before competition day before maybe two days before depends a little bit and it also depends on how much uh space you have in your weight category yeah, to, to fit into your weight category yeah. because you always have to uh, remember the more carbs you eat the heavier you're gonna be the next day probably if you can't handle it the best way so uh check your salt intake check uh the fibers that's stuff you have to have in mind um but uh in the end mm -hmm. carbs competition is a very solid thing to boost your performance i think um, maybe one point we left out in the bulking and calisthenics now maybe regarding skills it's harder there um i think make like bulking while doing skills is super super hard and i would advise you to uh try to maintain them as well as possible and mostly work on basic stuff uh, since it's easier to progress there uh, and try to keep the skills on the same like uh, version you're doing them now that's already good mm -hmm. sometimes you will have to switch to a um, version that is easier and your body once you have like found a good baseline where you feel well um, you can start working more on the skills but it needs time to adapt and i wouldn't bulk only doing skills purely um there there needs to be a share amount like big amount of uh basic exercises in that phase uh, so you really put on 
some some lean mass. Um, so, I mean, it is possible, but it's not the smartest way. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, then we come to the last stuff. I think uh, one thing is our opinion about street lifting competitions, including strength skills like one arm pull up and weighted wall wall handstand push ups. Uh, from from what I have to say about that is, I think that's the matter only in Italy. I think nowhere else in the world people do that. Mm -hmm. um, I I do like the idea. But for me, what I have to say about that is why do we have to put in so many exercises into a competition? Um, because we, in most competitions that I know, um, muscle-ups, pull-ups, dips, and back squats are a thing. And adding there one-arm pull-ups and wall hands and push-ups Then the next one comes with, okay, if we already had that, we can also add pistol squats. Maybe we can do weighted planks. Uh, wh wh where do we begin and where does it end? Um, one, like, I think, uh, so there are competitions in Italy and they take very long. And they're super cool because, like, you have everything in them from weighted pull-ups to weighted dips to one-arm pull-ups. And, like, you really see how complete an athlete can be, um, which is super, super cool. I think one thing that could be introduced, like I think one arm pull up and stuff, you can have them in extra competitions, but maybe not in, in the classical four, four exercise uh, competitions that are, that are getting bigger and bigger now. Maybe like a wall handstand push-up, I would think it would be very cool because it adds to vertical pushing strength in it and is still a skill and is still calisthenic. So I'm a big fan of that exercise. I have to see, I have to say, and in Italy, it is very, very big thing. And like growing up there or with like seeing the community there, um, it's the only place where people do weighted handstand pushups uh, with back to wall. Like you don't see them anywhere else where they have competitions for them. But it would be cool because you have the vertical pushing in too. You don't have only the muscle up, which is, let's say, a more like calisthenics exercise, but you have something else in there mm -hmm. too. I definitely got that point. Mm -hmm. uh, I do like that too. But as I already said, it's going to be a lot of exercises to prepare for. Um, and that's, yeah, in the end always adding exercises until we have like a hundred exercises in a day, then we can go and do some CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, I, like, I would limit it to that. Like one on pull-ups plank, like front levers planches, it gets way too hard and it's way too hard to, to judge too. Like one on pull-ups is super, super hard to judge. How do you judge that in the end? I mean, how much of a, of being like a, like a bow in the hand in the wall handstand push-up how much is allowed how much is not allowed and all in that the, in the in the in the competitions they did it like that until you touch the feet with like the feet had to touch the wall and that was like and you had to touch with the forehead or the upper part of your head the floor 
and then go up completely into lockout, those were the rules. So even if you arched a lot, it didn't matter until you managed to keep your feet against the wall, which put like some fixed parameters where you couldn't measure it. If, if I do have a good bridge, I can do like a push-up. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we, we're gonna have the same thing that we had in the Olympic weightlifting. I think that's like 50 years ago when the OHP was was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the people like went completely and into an arch. Yeah, it was nearly like a standing bench press. So uh, it will end up in that. Yeah? But you so, would have you would have a reverse bench press. That's gonna be fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and it's no it's no joke like i think the handsome push-up has a point where the arch is very useful and then has a point where the arch like really really gets you so yeah. i like it kind of auto regulates itself but there weren't many competitions so it's difficult to judge uh yeah. at this yeah. time okay um i think we have an opinion yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the last thing is, I think it was about steroids. Where do you have it? Steroids. Yeah. If if it's gonna be a problem in uh, in street lifting or something like that, right? I think so. Yeah. Where do you have it? Steroids. Please talk about how to mix volume and intensity. That's something that comes up a little bit later uh, in a whole complete own thing episode uh, yeah where's this this question i i don't find it ah here yeah, in german <laughs> what do you think are uh, steroids going to be uh, play a bigger role in calisthenics i think yes of course like in every sport in the world everywhere the more it gets gets professional yeah. the more hype is about it and uh the more people are going to do it i mean that's like in every other sport else in the world i think already there, there will be people who are doing it already yeah. but in the end you just can bring on controls the more the the more professional the sports get yeah. the more money goes in the yeah. easier because it is the, because it right now you just can't bring up the tests because it costs that much money yeah and um and I know that because I already organize a few events and I would love to do that, but there's just not the money for that. You know? So mm -hmm. in the end, uh, things, it will come, but uh, I have no idea when the time will come and yeah, we just, we, we, we're going to see. So there will also be maybe competitions untested and tested. And in the end, I enjoy every part of sport. I do like to see um, enhanced enhanced um, powerlifting because they, these people are doing stuff. Uh, just, that's just crazy. And I like to see that because it doesn't make a person a bad person just because he takes steroids as long as he's not uh, going on natural competitions. So if the steroid users stay with the steroid users and compare themselves with those who are doing the same stuff that's okay to me yeah i mean in the end it's your personal decision i wouldn't do it but yeah. if your thing you can do whatever you like to i don't tell you what to do um but um yeah. i think yeah what you said like i don't like uh generally that 
if you like people that take uh, performance enhancing drugs, like mix with natural, like with natural people, uh, I think it destroys a sport. And the Just only way out, yeah, the only way out is to divide it and you give them a place and you test it well because it needs to be tested well. Um, you change that and you you open the possibility for the guy who really wants to do his drugs, but he has his own competitions. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, that, that's mostly it. So I think that it, steroids will be there and they are probably already there and we're going to see where it takes us. So, yeah. all right. Uh, I think that was, uh, that was the last question of the day. So hopefully you enjoyed this uh, episode. And uh, if you want to get a uh, really big performance for skills, then you please hit up Dennis. Yep, and on Dennis Kalis or Stanix underscore the team page. On Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> on Instagram. Yes. And if you like to uh, increase your performance in street lifting or weighted calisthenics, hit me up, Nick Tibu on Instagram or Barbell Coaching, bar minus Barbell Coaching, and then we're going to make you a monster, baby. <laughs>